just as you thought things were getting a little handsy fleck out there, then all of a sudden, Byron's taking oh God, total control. Lawrence, what's that coming? Yeah, of course, it's this. Oh, my God, there it is. And they they came at us one more time. <laughs> but, but but for Hansi and, and, and the boys, it, this was not just a Champions League win, which is just incredible, but that eighth straight Bundesliga title along with the uh, German Cup title, uh, the treble for Bayern Munich and uh, between Alfonso Davies and uh, what Lewandowski and uh, Kimmich. I mean, this, what a squad. Yeah, no, really, you're right. I mean, this has been such an impressive squad, definitely. And, you know, I don't see them going anywhere. I mean, that's the thing. It's that it's not like this is the tail end of a dynasty. Like these guys, I mean, still a couple of good years in the older players. The newer players are sticking around. You know, they may lose uh, Coutinho, but uh, no, really, I'm, I was really impressed. It was a good game. Um, it was a much more defensive game than than I think anybody expected it to be. Uh, PSG, though, I mean, they weren't terrible. They didn't get blown out. I thought they played well. They missed some opportunities. That's been brought up. Um, the Mbappe possible penalty, I guess you could debate. But I'm actually kind of glad, Lawrence, that uh, what's the phrase that they always use in American sports? They just let them play. I, I'm actually kind of glad they let them play because uh, I'm glad VAR didn't get involved in every single aspect of this game. Yeah, that's totally true. And I also think of the Europa final and how Sevilla really just took care of business once again. That was a great showcase there for La Liga. And I guess of all the leagues, when they do the restart, I'm most encouraged about watching what should be just an unbelievably fascinating La Liga campaign. I mean, it is. You have a lot of teams that I feel like are in that upper echelon. Uh, you you know, I think Valencia is going to turn it around. Of course, you have Atletico Madrid. Uh, Sevilla, who you mentioned, did a great job in Europa, the Cotton Bowl of European soccer. So, I mean, this is all promising. And of course, Real Madrid, they're going to be strong again. I, you know, know they had their exit against Man City in the Champions League, but, you know, they still have a great team. And of course, there's the huge question mark next to Barcelona. Lawrence, where, where do you see Barcelona shaking out now that, uh, you know, new coach, so new team. What's going to happen? But I don't know. Could they end up in the Cotton Bowl? I mean, like it's it's, it's very concerning that that <laughs> may be what the future is. You know, I, of course, this is a Champions League squad. They're not playing in Europe anytime soon. But uh, I think that ding there says to me that they're just biding their time. I, th- I, th- I think that this is just now we need to take a year here and figure out where we want to go. But they don't get a chance to rebuild. That's what I was saying. You know, it's kind of like to go back to the equation of college football. It's like like if you're in Ohio State or you're in Alabama, you, you don't get two years to rebuild. All right. This isn't, you know, this isn't a, a team that it's like, okay, well, you know, let's step back for a second. I mean, you know, Tottenham, they're at that level where they can step back and, and the fans will give them a little bit of time. Arsenal has even gotten a little bit of time to rebuild, but Barcelona they have to compete. I mean, this was the second place team in La Liga. This is a team that made it two uh, pretty deep in Champions League before they got blown out by Bayern Munich. And uh, fans are not going to put up with them being in Europa or finishing fifth or th- even third, really, in La Liga. So the first question is, is what happens to Messi? I mean, there seems to be this talk about him going to Manchester City. Um, he's going to have to want to go somewhere. And I, I just don't know how impulsive Messi is. I think that's what the entire thing comes down to because I feel like all the other parts can be switched around. They can still be a good team. Let's say Coutinho comes back. Let's say Suarez goes. 
uh, goes to the Netherlands, uh, maybe to the Premier League, maybe MLS. You know, they bring in one or two defenders, possibly younger guys who uh, can do the job a little bit better, can help out Piquet in the back. But really what it comes down to is, is how impulsive is Messi? It, I know he's angry. We all know he's angry. Is he angry enough to blow up this entire relationship and go to Man City? Or is he just trying to once again impose his will and he'll be back you know, in two weeks, three weeks to start the uh, La Liga season and uh, put together still a pretty good squad. But really, what's worst case scenario if he did leave? And I know, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that's like a hundred million euro off the book. And then you've got the future with players like Ansu Fati. I know Ricky Push is, you know, out there doing things that aren't anyway considered messy like and, and never will be necessarily but like if you did have that re-trigger in your Barcelona couldn't you make a case for that maybe just maybe there is enough youth and enough to compete and at a very high level in La Liga and then in a couple of years be in the position that they were 15 20 there's, years ago there's there's no couple of years so what could happen if Messi goes they're not going to be able to and when I say replace him I get it you're not replacing Messi. There's nobody you could replace him with. But you still need a high-quality superstar. And that guy is not going to come. If you lose Messi, let's say, in the next 10 days, he goes to Man City. All right? You're not going to be able to turn around and get somebody right now. So you're going to have to hope that the team is good enough, which I think they are, to still do okay in La Liga, not drop too far down the table. Uh, get ready for the group stages of Champions League. They'll be fine, but by Christmas, they need to have that top-level player. And I mean a top-level player. I mean, you know, somebody of uh, an Obama Yang, a a Ronaldo, and not that he's going there, but like you need one of those like top 20 players. It's not like another guy who's in like a lower division who you're like, oh, he's got a lot of promise. You need somebody who makes an impact from day one. And Barcelona is not going to be able to get that guy in two weeks. Okay. Totally makes sense. Totally fair. Uh, as I think of the Premier League restart, I think of the team that really did the most after uh, the restart. When I say the restart, I say the new season of the Premier League coming uh, in the middle of September. Tottenham and Jose Mourinho really doing a good job to get back into the mix, get a seventh place spot that puts him in Europa League in the coming season and it just gets me thinking I mean he's so polarizing in in so many ways so interesting there's so much going on with Mourinho where he can take Tottenham long term is kind of a concept that I've been kicking around and just thinking about a lot but we always talk about things in in terms of the Cotton Bowl being Europa League or what would Alabama do as a restart. If if you were trying to look at what Mourinho is and represents as like a American sports figure, take college football for instance. I mean, what do you say he is and represents? He's 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 like Jim Harbaugh, right? He's 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 good. He's proven that he's good, but sometimes the buildup is a lot greater than the performance you know he wants to be nick saban right he wants to be bill belichick right he wants to be you know one of these great minds of the game and he he is a very smart coach and has accomplished a lot but he's not the answer alone and i think that's what's tottenham's figuring out like just because you have jose Mourinho doesn't mean 
that everything's solved. Like you still have to do some more things. They still got to go out. If they can get bail, that's huge. I don't think, mm, I don't want to say I don't think. I'm going to give that a 50-50 shot. But bail to Tottenham, that's the kind of pieces they need to win. It's not just something where a coach is going to come in and change everything. Now, I think if you look at Arteta uh, and what he's doing at Arsenal, a coach does make a big difference in the Premier League but you still have to have the players. But it, you're right, Lawrence. I mean, coming into the new season of the Premier League, it looks like that, that Tottenham and Arsenal, who were dumpster fires six months ago, are actually looking like they're going to be in pretty good position for the league. And then teams like Man City, you know, we were talking earlier, maybe they get messy. Well, that's going to fix everything, but they, you know, they probably won't. And then it's like, you know, they kind of seem like that they're going to start to fade. When I say fade, they're going to fade to fourth, right? They're not going to fade to to ninth or twelfth. But I, I kind of feel like Man City's going to fade, and and the team that you know did do really well is is Klopp and and Liverpool. And so I, I mean, I wonder, Lawrence, do you think Liverpool just continues to dominate the Premier League? Yeah, I do. I do. And the only thing that would get in their way in the near term would be if Chelsea just brought in so much more that it just became like well they're just making this happen the way that man city did like chelsea to me would be the biggest threat to liverpool longer term but but in this immediate sense this coming season no it's liverpool's world and the premier league and the rest of them are just living in it I, I can buy along. I can I can I can buy that. That that seems like a good thought. But you know, Lawrence, the most exciting game I watched this week may have not taken place in the Champions League. Oh, it it, it is that time. Woo! It's time for that football downtown. Football and in Glace and the match of the week, a little Monday night football that we saw Mazatlan <laughs> and Pachuca, that that was. I mean, first of all, Pachuca comes out. Tuzos gets on that two-goal lead to start the game. You're thinking, is Mazatlan going to play any defense? Then Aristegueta gets a you know, beautiful header. They they equalize. Yes. Pachuca goes back up in front. Mazatlan with Huerta. They equalize again. And then the fourth goal for Pachuca was so improbable. Uh, you got to like be so excited when you see a, you know, Pardo breakaway. And he's heading right toward Fraga. What, what, what skill, what, what excitement. He kicks it straight to him, but it escapes Fraga. And then in the box, a penalty. It's netted away at the like dying moments of the game. Today in a extra with with some great stuff that uh, really was enjoying that match more than pretty much anything I've seen thus far in the Guardianes uh, twenty twenty. I mean that 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 was it, and and it was surprising because it's Pachuca and Mazatlan, but it was probably the best game thus far of the campaign. Oh, it was definitely. It was an enjoyable game to watch. And I think it shows a couple of things. First of all, it shows that Mazalan is not a bad team, right? They're just a team that makes dumb mistakes. Dumb mistakes can be fixed. Bad players can't be. Mazalan actually has some really high quality players. That last goal was a mistake on the defense. You have to clear the ball. But, you know, you look at Oscar and he basically saved the goal from Pachuca 10 minutes before that. So it's like Mazalan is as good players, right? They just, they still haven't gotten over the hump of just being consistent, right? They make mistakes and uh, 
poor Fraga has to be pulling his hair out because uh, of the mistakes that happen right in front of his face. I mean, look, on that breakaway, you're not going to be able to catch the ball. So I think that uh, doing what he did, uh, he played a, he played really well between the sticks, and that was just a mistake on defense. They had to clear the ball. I mean, Fraga had no choice, but uh, the foul was just something he had to do. So honestly, like, yeah, it proves a lot. It proves that Mazelon is a possibly a mid-table team. They're not the worst team in Liga MX by any stretch. And honestly, Pachuca, they keep on moving up the table. I mean, they're they're getting it done. You know, they're in that top 12 firmly. They're number six right now. So very good for Tuzos. That was exceptional. It, it was just a really great game. And now Mazatlan has to turn this thing around very quickly because on Friday, uh, they will be hosting at the Kraken one Tuca's Tigres. And uh, that's a team coming off a, a tie to, you know, Pumas that it's just showing more uninspired play. I, I, I'm worried Tuca is, is bottling it up too much. The, the old Tuca would be j- just ripping things apart right about now. But uh, I, I think that this will be their chance to get back on track because Mazatlan I don't know they'll be spent. I mean, Paco Palencia's attacking style has been very fun to watch on display. I would just imagine at this point Tigris would start scoring some goals. That's the 7.30 Friday matchup. And uh, before we dig too much further into Mazatlan Tigris, I, I do say that Friday, the most intriguing team, top of the table, Toluca, Ruben Sambuesa yes. and these boys, they are you know at Puebla, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm on the Toluca train now. It's, it's not hard to get on the Toluca train. They played well against Chivas. They played well against Tigris. You know, they had some easy games to kind of get into form, you know, against Atlas. And, you know, other than the, the loss to Masalan, which I see is like their only poor performance of the year, they are looking great. They beat Puebla, solidifies them at the top of the table. And then, you know, they got a nice little run there before they play America. So, yeah, you're right. Toluca has proven to be a lot better than anybody thought. And I feel like they're solidly in the top four and i think they're gonna stay there all right so saturday atletico san luis and america face off on the uh, earliest part of the uh, saturday action and also at that exact same time guadalajara and pachuca and that that's the game i'm going to be watching and have my eye on completely i i I now am truly fascinated by what chivas team shows up it's becoming like truly amazing to watch this roller coaster and it was like they couldn't score goals and then they were scoring goals but now the lack of consistency in the game against Toluca was just completely on display Vucetich is you know setting some things in motion you can tell that are going to work down the line but it's just not working now and then there's the off the field distractions the Antuna party situation and then what that is represented does weigh into this when when you talk about some of these clubs like Cruz Azul for instance with some of the off the field stuff within the business office that that has nothing to do with what the players in the field are doing or thinking but with Chivas th- this season th- there's been some like legitimate things that have been happening where it's like it would affect what's happening on the field and I'm, I'm not saying that it did necessarily in this game versus Toluca but as the season moves on I'm really really interested in seeing how Vucetich manages well 
you look at this from a Chivas point of view. I'm going to look at this from a Pachuca point of view. This is the kind of game that if Tuzos comes out and plays like, I mean, honestly, again, I know Mazlan isn't the best team, but if they play with that same that same intensity, that same fervor, and I, I think that not only do they beat Chivas, but I think this is their big stepping stone to move into the top of the table. And I, like I said, I'm really excited about how Pachuca has been playing soccer. Uh, they have a good team. They have a good veteran team that's very smart. Um, and I think they're going to do well against Guadalajara. And you're right, Guadalajara, we don't know what team is going to show up. But I think this game is more on what, what Pachuca team is going to show up. If it's the one that we've seen, you know, this season so far, I, I think they have a win. Now, the other thing that we're looking at is Nacaxa and Cruz Azul on Saturday to wrap up the evening. And, and that's now becoming fascinating because Nacaxa have been hanging in. I mean, you know, a draw against America, kind of starting things off, a win over Mazatlan, that's expected. Drawing with uh, Monterey a couple of weekends ago, that was really great. And then this last win over Santos, that is now coming back into focus. I mean, last... Apertura, we would see Nakaxa and say, you know, that that's a team that definitely should be in this playoffs mix. And then coming into this campaign, there was some big questions. The defense didn't look that solid, but they have certainly steadied the ship and they're not giving Malagon such issues as to, okay, what part of the goal do I need to be in? And they're getting just enough to win matches. And now, obviously, Cruz Azul really high powered, but I, I'm expecting Nakaxa to hang. Yeah, you know, Nakaxa had to go through the fact that they did have some personnel changes, right? And that's going to affect how you play. But you're right. Last couple of weeks, they've been grinding it out. They're not a bad team. You know, I think Cruz Azul is a much better team, but you talk about the drama of Cruz Azul. Uh, you know, you say the front office doesn't affect how the players play, but, you know, I think a lot of the people on Cruz Azul, the players, they're like, look at how well we're doing, and they don't feel like they're getting the respect they deserve. We're going to see if they deserve that respect, though. If they can come out and beat Nakaxa, that's the kind of situation that kind of maybe steadies the ship for them. I say steadies the ship. They are a top team. But, like, I'm worried about the confidence level of that team. Is this a team that knows how to be at the top of the table? Is this a team that knows how to, like, you know, add that little extra where they truly just kind of dominate the league? That's something that we've seen teams like America and Monterey do when they when they have their best seasons. Like, they turn it on and, like, you're like, oh, Cruz Azul, they're just going to win every game, you know, and, and and I need to see that from them. I, I don't see the players having quite that confidence in the fact that they are the best team on the field. I think they 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 have the talent level to be the best team in Liga MX, but they got to they got to uh, they got to show it. They got to have that passion. And I think right now, because of everything going on behind the scenes, it's very hard for them to like feel like that that everybody's paying attention to what's happening on the field. You know, Sunday morning, uh, Pumas, Cholos, that, that doesn't really at this point offer much uh, explanation or, or, or thought. And I, I, I'll obviously check it out, but I, I'm not super enthused about it. But the santos Carataro game, I mean, Carataro were really on a roll, having beaten America and Cruz Azul, and then really taking a step backward. And, and, and Santos as well. I mean, these are teams that need wins on Sunday. I don't think Santos is that good. I hate to say that. Uh, you know, there are a lot of guys I like on that team. You know, I like 
definitely how Doria plays, uh, Julio. I mean, yeah, look, there's good guys on Santos, but like as a team, I just have not been impressed. I mean, I put them in the same category as I put Tijuana and Atlas, you know, teams that just, I just don't see them making the cut this year. And uh, yeah, you're right. Kerataro has been up and down. I mean, uh, 10 days ago, we were, we were on that Kerataro train. We were like, this is the team. This is the dark horse. Mm. Well, when you're a dark horse, you don't always do everything exactly how, how we want you to. You, you know, you do stumble. Uh, but I don't think they're going to stumble against Santos. I think they're going to get back on track. And, uh, yeah, I'm really excited about the kind of football they're playing at Kerataro. No, early in the show, we called it top of the table to Luca And Cruz Azul actually with one more point in those standings as Monterey um, will be in action also on Sunday. And when we think of what their season represents, it's coming more into focus for them. They will be uh, facing Juarez. And then the Monday action, if it was uh, any indication how great the Monday action was this week into the next week, you really have to look forward to uh, what's ahead. But but with the Kings of Leon hosting uh, Atlas, you know, Atlas getting off the schneid a little bit, but uh, the, the Kings a very, very strong side this year, and they are third currently in the standings. I guess in global terms right now, this week of action what America brings to the table and what Monterey bring to the table to me, aside from just really sitting back and enjoying the Toluca action and seeing just which train wreck we watch with uh, Chivas, the America and Monterey stories, it's still kind of the most interesting thing to be watching. Well, I mean, look, the season is a third over, right? And looking at the table, what you realize is, is the teams that are at the bottom the Atletico San Luis, the Santos, uh, Adelis, Mazalan, any of those teams get a win, suddenly they're in the top 10. Okay, so it's still bunched up. You know, we don't have anybody running away with it. Yes, Cruz Azul is at the top of the table, as you said, by a point. But, you know, they have a draw, they have a loss. Toluca has two losses. You know, America has a draw and two losses. So it's like, you know... Nobody is running away with this. This isn't one of those situations where, you know, as we see in other leagues, we have one, two, maybe three teams that are four, five, six points ahead of everybody. Like, that's not happening. These teams are really bunched up. And so, you know, when we see these these anomalies happen, when we see things like, like Mazelon come through and get a win, like, not only can that put them in the top 10, but that can easily take a team that, you know, we all have confidence in doing well, like America, and they can drop back pretty quickly. You know, Pachuca gets a win this week. They're looking at the top of the table, you know, but you could quickly turn that around and say, you know, if a team like Tigres, you know, doesn't get a win or you know i mean i guess a draw would be okay put them at 10 points like they could really start to drop quickly you have to play inspired football because the season isn't long enough for you to kind of absorb two or three losses you know but 15 points will get you in the playoff but it's only going to get you in this this you know the top four basically get buys if you're in fifth through 12th place you don't want to be in that position if you're a monterey or a tigris you know, hey, if you're a, if you're a Masalan and you get in the top 12, that's a huge win. You know, that's great for your program. But if you're one of these major programs like America or Tigris and you're not getting in that top four, you know, OK, yeah, you made the playoff, but you could be gone real quick. 
There will be games from Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, a little break on a Tuesday, which we will tape again, football in Inglace, and then Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I mean, there's something almost every day. We will keep you posted right here with Bo Byerly. I'm Lawrence Scott. Thank you so much for listening.